Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're going to start, please, with Psalm 119, Selection F. Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord with these words. Let's bow before the Lord now, please, in prayer, committing our evening service uh, now to Him. Our loving God and Father, we come and bow in Jesus' name at the throne of heavenly grace. Lord, knowing that we are always welcome because we stand upon redemption ground, the ground that Jesus' blood has purchased for us, and we are always accepted in the Beloved. And Lord, it's our joy and the blessing and privilege that we have tonight once more to seek Thy face for this evening's service. And dear Lord, I ask that as we come, our hearts would be prepared, that we would sing with joy. We would sing, O God, in a sense of worship to Thy holy and great name, and that, Father, there would be nothing to hinder the reception of our praise. Dear Lord, I'm asking tonight that each one of us would be filled with the Spirit of God, 
both to sing and to read the Scripture, to understand. And as we open the Scriptures, Lord, I would know help in giving the Word, and every believer would know the help to receive it in the heart and to apply it. Remember, Lord, the needs we have in all of our congregations, in every place where the Word of God is being proclaimed today, May it go forth with the urgency and power and the anointing of God. And dear Father, we are asking for the salvation of souls. Remember our churches that do not have pastors tonight. Help them, bless them, and be with those who would fill in and take the pulpits tonight, that they would know the anointing of God upon them and just that word in season given to those congregations and people. Remember our missionaries. We support and pray, Lord, and want to encourage each one of them. Lord, we are asking that you would draw very, very near to them and help them in the time of their need. For the devil indeed would come to discourage at times for maybe a lack of progress that's being seen perhaps discouragements coming from one way or another. Lord, may they know and find their support and their strength and comfort alone in Christ, being supported by the comfort of the Spirit of God upon them. Dear Father, we pray this night to remember every faithful servant who is preaching the Word of God, and may there be a great ingathering of souls and a lifting up and encouraging of the church of Christ across this globe. Remember those who are serving in harm's way or being persecuted for their faith. Lord, draw very, very close to them. And we pray that whether it's an underground church in the land of China, North Korea, some Islamic countries, we pray for believers in Afghanistan under great threat for their very life. Oh, Father, may they be secured and kept safe, sheltered under the arm that is almighty and under your wing and protection. And so, Father, bless us now tonight. Hear us, give us strength, keep us going forward. Do not let the devil come in to discourage or to weigh down hearts. But I pray that as we want to serve and live in our generation, in our time, give us great insight. May we walk each day in the joy and blessing of your provision and help. So hear us now tonight. Bless us for this evening's service. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord again, please, with number 84 in your hymnal. Number 84, Jesus, the very thought of thee. Let's stand as we worship.
Please turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of Daniel, Daniel's prophecy, chapter 2. We're going to read at verse 24 down to verse 30 of Daniel chapter 2, and uh, then we will continue on reading later on in the service, so you may keep that portion open. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 24. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto thee, the king, the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, show unto the king? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thine heart. We'll end our reading there for our congregational time, and we will pick up at verse 31 and before we come to the message tonight. Welcome to our evening service. Glad that you are here, and we hope that the Lord will come near and encourage your heart and strengthen you in the Lord. And also we welcome those who are viewing our service online tonight. We're glad that you've been able to join in with us, and our prayer is always that you would receive strength and blessing and encouragement from the Word and from your time of worship around the Word of God tonight. Do remember, please, our sister Lori Bryant in your prayers as she is uh, not at all well and needing the Lord's hand upon her. And then please also remember in your prayers the sister of our brother Donald DeVaparan. I mentioned today that she was overseas, but actually Nershenthi is living up in the Aurelia area and she will be going for surgery this coming Wednesday. So he has asked for prayer uh, for uh, his sister, do remember her before the Lord. 
Let's not forget in our regular praying to remember the believers in the Ukraine in the difficulties of the war. And in this time when ministers and missionaries are trying to be a witness that they will know help and strength as they are in harm's way, and the Lord would turn back that which is so evil and wicked in the attempts of war and aggression, of gaining land, and so on. These things are all very difficult in our time. And we extend our praying to believers in Afghanistan, in China, in the Islamic countries, in these places where there is not freedom, in North Korea. We, we just ask the Lord would help and continue to bless His people and make them a witness. We often find that where there is great and intensified persecution, it is just at a place like that where, well, the church blossoms and it grows and develops, even in the, in the face of great persecution. But so often in our own nation, in the Western world, where there is no fierce persecution, no physical turmoil, well, oftentimes the church gets sleepy, and we need to pray that God would revive our hearts and then when we pray a prayer of such a way, a, a, a prayer like that, well, you may find that the way God chooses to revive His people will be to bring a measure of persecution. And we need to be ready by God's grace that we will be in the right place at the right time and be prepared to take our stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless your time with us tonight. Remember, please, on Wednesday, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30, and then Thursday evening, our session and board will meet at 6 and 7.30. And uh, this is an in-person meeting in our, for our board members, all the men who are able to come in person. Next Lord's Day, our services for our Sunday school for all ages at 9.55 and then our morning and evening services at the regular time. Don't forget, please, the Easter services in Port Hope this coming Friday and Saturday. The announcements or the details of that will be on the online, the bulletins that you receive online. And if you would like, though, to stay through for the dinner on Friday, please sign the list at the back so that we can give that on to the, the folks in Port Hope for their a preparation that they need to make. Thank you all for your regular offerings for the work of God here. There is an offering plate at the back as you leave tonight. If you would like to make your offering there, there are several ways you can do it. And of course, the regular folks here all know about that. And uh, we will just leave that before with you before the Lord. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, please. Number 537. Not I, but Christ. And certainly as we sing this tonight, think about these words, you could imagine that's the very thing that Daniel was thinking about as he stood before Nebuchadnezzar and said, it's not in me uh, to give this interpretation that's before you. He would say, it's not I, but it's Christ. And let's sing these words to the Lord's praise tonight.
Turn please again to Daniel chapter 2, and let's continue our reading in this portion of the Lord's Word. Verse number 31 of chapter 2. Thou, O King, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon the feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all things shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken 
or brittle. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Forasmuch as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. May God bless His Word uh, to us tonight as we have read Let's bow, please, in prayer and asking the Lord for a great help in understanding His Word. Lord, tonight, as we have once more the Scriptures open, we are confronted with the words that Peter spoke, Lord, of the writings of Paul, in them some things are hard to be understood. And we would say the same thing, the words within Daniel's prophecy, some things, Lord, are crystal clear, and we draw great and precious application of faith and life, strength, and living for God. And Father, other things we have to openly confess are hard to be understood. And therefore, we again submit ourselves praying for light and help. And I ask for that tonight, Lord, in giving out the Word. Do not let me speak anything that is against your mind or will. We only want to say and do that which is accurate and true as far as we can understand. Give us, Lord, humility to be able to say we don't understand some portions or humility to to take in the Scriptures and praying for more light and more wisdom and understanding. Help us, we pray, dear Father, to be absolutely dogmatic on those fundamental truths of the Word of God as they relate to the person of our Redeemer, and yet to be charitable and open in these other areas that may not just be so clear to us. 
And Lord, we know also that where we are in some kind of fog or misunderstanding or things aren't completely clear to us, we know, Lord, that is not the case with Yourself. For the end, from the beginning, absolutely clear and known. And dear Father, we humble ourselves under our omniscient Father in heaven. And I pray that we will be given much grace and much clarity and, Lord, much application to our everyday life. Hear our prayers tonight and bless us. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to think with you tonight about the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and the events that were leading up to it. We have already been studying how that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, wanted to find the dream itself and the interpretation of that dream and that which his soothsayers and magicians and all those wise men of Babylon were unable to decipher. And yet, there was a man of God of the captives of Israel, and Daniel was found out and was sought out after he made it very clear that there would be given to the king the interpretation and the dream very, very clearly. So we find that this captive of Israel is now standing before the most powerful monarch of that time of human history. And when many would have feared to speak, this man of God, full of faith and the Holy Spirit, gave glory to God, to the one only living and true God who could reveal the secret impulses of a forgotten dream and also what it all meant. His direct word to the king was this, there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. And this is the direct, indirect contrast to the false gods and those who were pretenders and dealing in the dark arts, no doubt, but they did not know and could not know what God had kept hidden away. But far beyond taking any credit for this revelation that God had given to him and to his three companions, we studied and looked last Lord's Day evening at verse 30, how that the marvel and wonder of Daniel's opportunity now, if he had been an opportunist, would have been to rise in the eyes of Nebuchadnezzar and kind of puff himself up to say, yes, I am the wiser than all the wise men of Babylon. But we learn a lot about the character of this man, don't we? We learn a lot about how he was behaving himself in a place where he could have made a name. 
for himself, but he did not. He chose rather to deflect all honor and praise and glory to the God that he worshipped. And it showed from his heart what kind of man he really was and how that you and I would do well to see that in those opportunities and those times in our own life when we have a time of putting ourselves forward, we would take a second thought about it all and say, No, Lord, not I, but Christ, be honored, loved, and exalted. And may this Spirit abide in all of us, dear brothers and sisters, tonight. Daniel had seen the face of his God by faith. He believed in the Lord. He believed in his Messiah, though he had not seen him physically. He anticipated by faith that the promised Messiah was coming. And this great deliverer coming from God would eventually be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And since Daniel had beheld the face of his God by faith, he then had no cause to fear the face of the greatest ruler that this earth has ever known. And there he stands, not timidly before Nebuchadnezzar, but not arrogantly either. He stood in the calmness of his faith in the God of heaven. There is a God in heaven he believed in, and now he is going to declare to this man humbly, but very clearly and authoritatively, who he is, what he has revealed, and what it means to you, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he spoke with assurance. And as we think on this dream and the interpretation tonight and how it was conveyed uh, to this man, I pray that the Lord will teach us again how that all of history has been working and will yet work out to the full harvest of the kingdom of Christ. Yes, my dear brothers and sisters, you tonight, myself as well, we are part of that unfolding of God's great purpose in the bringing in of the cross of the kingdom of Christ and the church of the Lord Jesus. But let's come down to think more directly about what Daniel had spoken to this great monarch. In the first place tonight, we'll look at the purpose of the dream. In verse 28, But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. And that phrase, 
what shall be in the latter days. This is a very important part of what Daniel is giving forward to the king now. And this is clearly the message that God had communicated to him for a number of providential reasons. The word latter days in this text, or it is also appearing as the word last days, is a term that refers to the time and the events of Messiah. And it would be around the general starting point of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and all that would flow from that down to the first coming of Jesus Christ and all the way unto the second coming of our Lord. The term latter days, we find that in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, I would ask you to turn to chapter 2 of the book of Acts. You will know that in this chapter of the book of Acts, it's dealing with the day of Pentecost. It was one of those feasts where people came by their thousands to Jerusalem, many Jews, and they came from all over the empire at that time, after Christ, of course, had risen from the dead and had ascended into glory. And so the disciples had been meeting in an upper room, It very well may have been the upper room where Jesus met for the Last Supper. But they met there, 120 of them, for prayer. And Christ had told them, you wait there until the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power. And so they did that, and the Lord didn't come upon them. And the house shook because of the Spirit's presence and benefit and blessing to them. And so when that happened... They then went into Jerusalem and they began to speak and testify of the wonderful works of God. They were preaching Christ. They were speaking about His crucifixion, His death, burial, and resurrection. And they were speaking and declaring things with great power and the authority of God was upon them. And one of the manifestations of the power of God was then that these apostles were given the ability, the supernatural ability, to speak with other languages. And as they communicated to the people in Jerusalem, those who were gathered there were marveled. They marveled at what these Galileans were able to do because they were not learned men by the letters of education. But these folks that had gathered from upwards of 15 different countries and areas and tongues and languages, they all heard them speaking in their own language. And they were so overwhelmed by this, and some of them wondered, well, these, this is so strange. These people are filled with new wine. They're all drunk, and they're just gibbering on. And how could... But that was, that was unwise. And 
Peter made the argument very clearly. He said, these are not, it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's the third hour. These are not filled with new wine, but this is what it is. And he tells them in verse number 16 of chapter 2, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And so, in the last days, the prophecy that Joel spoke was about the giving out of the Holy Ghost in great power. In the last days, from that time period, of the early New Testament church, this is an important marker in the Bible for us to understand the meaning of this phrase and term. Because as that dream came to Nebuchadnezzar, and God has given now to Daniel the interpretation of that dream, he, sa- he tells him right up front, this is what this dream is all about, referring to the last days. I want you to turn also, please, to Hebrews chapter 1. We read this this morning in our service, and we were not thinking specifically about the message tonight because what we were reading in this morning's service had to do with our Lord Jesus and how that He said to Philip, if you've seen me, Philip, you have seen the Father. And I chose to read Hebrews 1 because we are are told there that Christ Jesus is the express image of the Father. But now we look at the opening verse of Hebrews 1. We're told there that God who at different times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. And so again we have a reference that God is giving to us in the New Testament about how He is going to reveal His Son. He is going to communicate the message of the gospel of Christ about the kingdom of the Lord in these last days. He revealed that to Peter, the day of Pentecost. It was that time period of the days of Messiah. Let's not forget that. Let's not miss that point the days of Messiah. From Acts chapter 2, from Hebrews chapter 1, then we also have something else to learn. I'd like you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul warned Timothy that in the, quote, latter times, some would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits 
and doctrines of devils. It's exactly what it says here in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And the apostle goes on to describe how those who have rejected the truth and those who have rejected Christ and His kingdom, how they will manifest themselves in the latter times. Now, in Paul's writing here to Timothy, this has both a twofold application. Because immediately after Christ ascended to heaven and the New Testament church began to develop and spread, John warns that as there were false prophets in the Old Testament, so there would be false teachers in his day. In that day, in the last days of the New Testament church. So Paul is warning Timothy here, beware. There are going to be those who have seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And I tell you that this has direct application to the beginning of the gospel being spread through the New Testament and all through the generations that are going down right to the very end because Jesus said when He comes back to this world again, will He find faith on the earth? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, if you were looking at this from Timothy's vantage point, and those believers that lived in the New Testament time period and the early church, what more perilous times could you have imagined than Christians being corralled together and being driven into the Roman Colosseum and being torn apart by wild animals? There was horrendous persecution. Those were perilous times. They were the last days the last days that have come from that time period of Christ, the time of the Messiah. But those days of the Messiah, they continued from that time period all the way through the gospel age until the time of the end. Turn, please, to 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2 and verse 18. The apostle, the beloved apostle, in writing to the church, as he refers to them as my little children, he tells them in verse 18 of chapter 2, little children, it is the last time. Oh my, how much more specific would you want to be? 
This is exactly what John is saying to the church right then, right there. This is the last time. We are in, John saying, we are in the last days. Now we get an understanding of God's timetable, don't we? Because God's timetable and how He divides up history, it may not just be as we think about the last days of the time when Jesus will eventually come back again. For we have been within God's timetable, the messianic timetable of the last time. Because John said, now is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now, even now, are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. It could not be any clearer than that. And so as we begin to put these pieces of the puzzle together, it helps us to see how that what God was unfolding to Nebuchadnezzar, how that He revealed it through Daniel's interpretation that He gave to him, He was pointing toward that time period of history. It's very important for us to gather these pieces together. I want you to notice, coming back to Daniel chapter 2, Verse 29, As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass, note this word, hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass hereafter. This is beginning with Nebuchadnezzar and working through the empires that would rise and be put in place leading up to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah's entrance into the world. And then what would transpire in the last days, the latter times, right through until the second coming of the Lord Jesus. So this gives us an introduction of the purpose of this dream that the world's mightiest monarch was given in that time when Daniel was living. The purpose of the dream. And then I want you to notice in the second place tonight, as we are building the foundation for our understanding of the whole book and prophecy, it will be essential that we lay these building blocks properly. Why does God use this dreamer? Why would God choose to use Nebuchadnezzar? I think we could probably agree on the surface that he was not a nice guy. 
But then ultimate rulers don't have to be nice guys because they don't care whether people like them or not. You see, they have a level of power that leads men to be intoxicated with themselves and their own position in the universe. And Daniel gives to us, if you would turn over to Daniel chapter 5 and verse 19. Daniel is in this situation. We moved ahead several years now. And Belshazzar, who took over from Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar is now the king in Babylon. And he has been living riotously using the vessels of the temple that were taken out of Jerusalem. And he's having a party. And that's when the hand, a man's hand, wrote on the wall. And those words caused great fear in Bel, Belshazzar's life. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details of that. We'll come to that a little bit later but I want to show you this particular verse because as Daniel is brought in to give the interpretation of that writing on the wall in Belshazzar's day. Verse 18, it says, O thou king, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he slew. And whom he would, he kept alive. And whom he would, he set up. And whom he would, he put down. And this description that Daniel gives of this tyrant, this greatest of monarchs, we ask ourselves a question, why would God use such a man? Because we are told very clearly that it is God that gave him all people and nations and languages and gave him honor and power and majesty. And all these peoples feared before him for whom he would, he slew them. If you stepped out of line, if you said one thing that was out of place, if you looked and rolled your eyes in a certain way when he spoke, your head was removed from your shoulders. And no one questioned. This type of absolute power and authority is, well, it is that which makes up such a power and intoxicating authority It's a tyrannical power, and it meant that he didn't have to negotiate 
He just gave the order, and that was the end of it, and no one questioned it. Well, at least when the ones tried to question it, they had already received the death sentence upon them, and all of those um, astrologers and soothsayers and wise men, they, they were ones who owed their salvation to Daniel, the man of faith. Chapter 5 and verse 18, it makes the whole matter even more puzzling when we realize it is the Lord who lifted up this man. Daniel's God. He's the one who had given to Nebuchadnezzar such unchallenged authority. Why would that be? Why would God use such a man? And we speculate. But the fact that He did... God did, that is, it shows us something that in the eternal plan of a sovereign Lord, that our God does whatsoever He pleases in the kingdoms of men. And He rules and He reigns even among those who deny Him, even among those who rebel against Him, and those that hate Him. Let this give us some clarity when thinking about leaders in our day. Why would God set up a prime minister in the land of Canada, one who has no respect for biblical ethics, morality, or decency? Why would God allow this to happen? Then you turn to the despotic leaders of many of the countries in the world today, and our question only broadens. It doesn't narrow. And yet in all this, the account of Nebuchadnezzar at least indicates for us that it is our God who is in control, and He is the one who sets up, and He is the one who puts down Can we tonight, can we trust Him when we don't understand all the implications of what He is doing? Believer, can you trust the Lord? For what we have mapped out for us here and what we will learn from the study of Daniel's prophecy is that this God is absolutely sovereign over all the kingdoms of this world. And that was the very theme that we presented to you at the start of our study. It comes up again and again, and it can be applied and must be applied to every single generation of humanity. For this God is our God, and tonight we know Him. We know our Father in heaven and we love Him, and we will say and bow before Him in all humility that, Lord, we are not worthy of the least of Your mercies, but You have given to us the very greatest, for You have given to us Your only begotten Son. You have given to us the Messiah, and in these latter days let us grasp and draw all we can from the wonders and the marvels of divine revelation 
And the Lord has blessed us with faith and the gift of faith and the gift of salvation so that we can say tonight, we know Him and we love Him. This is our God. You can declare, as Daniel did, there is a God in heaven, and I know it because there is a God in my heart. And I know this Lord, and He is mine. And as we see all of these things in our day, and we will say we we want to trust the Lord, it will keep us from despair, it will keep us from questions that we have no answers for. It will keep us from going down the strong, the wrong road. And we'll say, Lord, guide us in the center of your perfect will and give us that crystal clear insight into things that are going on in the world. And where we don't know where they're going, we can say and trust that we must rest in the God of heaven and earth. And maybe you're wondering, friend, Does that apply to a Vladimir Putin? Does that apply to this man who's so aggressively attacking the Ukraine people? If it applied to a Nebuchadnezzar, it most definitely applies to a Putin. And we must then, where we don't understand and know the reasons why, we will say, Lord, I trust that you are doing all things according to your greater and unseen purposes. So yes, all things are working together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. And as we rest under the divine purposes of our sovereign Lord, we will say, thank you, Lord, for making this known uh, to me and giving us some understanding. So we've thought about the purpose of the dream and asked the question, why does God use such a dreamer as this? Let's think in the third place tonight about the content of this dream. We find it from verses 31 down to verse 35. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. And this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee. And the form thereof was terrible. It was full of terror. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs and iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. The content of the dream. As soon as Nebuchadnezzar heard the dream revealed by Daniel, I have no doubt that it became crystal clear to him what he saw. And what had been foggy in his mind, what had been unclear, became now very clear. His memory was now absolutely sharp. Yes, 
accurately what Daniel had spoken. This image was fearful, terrible. It was a great image. The head was made and glistened. It was brilliant with a shining brilliance that you could almost not look at for its splendor. It had different components of silver, bronze, iron, and clay. And the head was made of gold. And the breasts and the arms of silver and the belly and thighs of bronze and the legs and iron were part of iron and part of clay. We will go into more detail in the aspects of this image and what exactly it means at another time. But there's a second major component uh, to this dream that Nebuchadnezzar saw. The image was one thing, and the components of that image And we're told very clearly that Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. So that refers to him and his empire, Babylon. So we know that the interpretation of it comes down to kingdoms. And Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon was the first of these kingdoms. But we're told in verse 34 about a stone. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which stone which smote the image upon the feet that were of iron and clay and break them in pieces. In this unraveling of the dream itself and the interpretation of it, there are many different ideas behind it of what all of these things represent. It most definitely will influence or affect your interpretation of eschatology, or it will map out and formulate exactly what that is, how you see the last days, the days of Messiah and of the second coming of the Lord. But one thing that commentators are almost all agreed on, and that is the stone. And it's Christ, the Messiah, is a stone. Because we are told very clearly that this stone was cut out of a mountain without hands. And so the clear implication is that this is not something human of or human origin. It's not done by man. Cut out without hands is something that God has done. And in the cutting out of the, without hands of this stone, and when it falls upon the feet of iron and clay of this image, and it crushes the feet, the whole image collapses and falls down, and all of the image turns to dust or to the chaff, and we're told that it will be blown away to the wind, so you won't even be able to tell where it is anymore. And that stone that was cut out without hands 
will grow to become a great mountain, and it will cover all of the earth. And so, as we think about the basic interpretation of the dream, there will be more detail later on, but from verse 36 up to verse 45, it tells us something of what all that represents. And Daniel goes into that detail with Nebuchadnezzar to tell him, you are the head of gold, and the other others that follow after are kingdoms with not as much power or not as much authority. And those kingdoms that develop and fall out after that. One interesting point that we need to pray over and think of, it's really a hinge point of the chapter, and it's verse 44. Because as Daniel is giving the interpretation of the dream to the king, he says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and shall stand forever. Now, we can't forget the fact that we're dealing here with an image. We're dealing here with the biblical phrases and terms, and so it is very much looking forward to and expressing some great things. But very clearly, it talks about the stone and the kingdom that will be established. And that kingdom that will be established is an everlasting kingdom. And I say to you, friends, tonight, that that kingdom that is being spoken of, that was revealed in that dream of the heathen king, that Daniel, the man of faith given by God, was showing to us the messianic kingdom that will never, ever be destroyed, that has eternal properties. And that is the kingdom of Christ. That is the kingdom that you and I are in tonight. We are part of the body of Christ. We are part of that everlasting kingdom that will never be destroyed. And that gives us great hope tonight. And I wonder, friend, are you in the kingdom of Christ? Are you saved by the grace of God? You're watching online tonight. Do you know Christ? Is He your Savior? Do you know this Messiah that is being told and spoken of? Are you part of the everlasting kingdom of our blessed Lord Jesus? And if not, the Lord tells us that now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And God in His great grace and great wisdom, His arms are open to receive you. And if you do, you will come to find Him as your merciful, 
God in heaven, a heavenly Father. And as you come to Christ, you will come to the Father. You will come to Daniel's God. You will come to the One in this kingdom that is being spoken of here that is an everlasting One. But friend, if you do not come, and if you reject Christ tonight, you will never be a part of that kingdom. But you will be separated from God forever and forever. And it's the most solemn truth. And I say to you tonight, flee from the wrath that is to come. Flee from your sin and flee to Christ. For He is the only answer to the need of your heart. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, I pray tonight that you would take away anything, any words that have been distracting, that you would reinforce, Lord, to all of our hearts the great wonder and splendor of the Scripture, and that we so often are in the infancy, it seems, of our understanding. Yet we pray that you would give us waters to swim in, that we would go into the depths of our understanding with our God. And Father, as we step carefully through this book of your Holy Word, ah, that, Lord, we would not be sidetracked, that we will just come to bask in the sunlight of this great revelation in the sunlight of Christ Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great stone that has been cut out without hands. And we know, Lord, that there is great victory in the gospel. And though men and kingdoms and empires today seem to have the upper hand, we know that this great stone of the gospel message will destroy all else and will rule and reign, and is ruling and reigning in the hearts of men, for the kingdom of God is within us. And Lord, I'm asking tonight that we will be empowered and strengthened to walk and be lights in a very dark world. And we will not despair. We will not be cast down. But we will grasp firmly the truth that sets us free. And so, Lord, go with us tonight. Separate us in Your fear with Your mighty blessing. Give us joy in our God, joy in our Savior. Hear our prayers now, Lord, and bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.